1: What's good boys and girls, Two Footed Podcast on Friday the 14th of January, brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change location and access things that you're geo-blocked from accessing. So be it American Netflix, BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, Hulu, whatever it is, a Liberty Shield VPN can get you around the block and Keep your data safe. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. And if you go to LibertyShield.com, and you use the code EPL599 at checkout, you'll get 5.99 dollars off your first month. That's first month for one quid, $6.99 thereafter, but no contract, no commitment. Instant download to your devices so you can get using straight away. LibertyShield.com EPL599. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 at checkout. You get 10% off. Right, folks, it's Friday. And despite the fact that Liverpool let me down again last night, despite the fact that Jordan Henderson and James Milner steal £350,000 a week from my club, I'm in a good mood because I had a nice rant on the Daily Red podcast, which you can find over on Anfieldindex.com. And uh, I'm feeling good now. So let's jump straight in to the latest news. Uh, Yesterday in the AFCON, Cameroon beat Ethiopia 4-1. Toko Okambi with two and Abubakar with two. Hotesta had put Ethiopia one up, but Cameroon fought back and Cameroon have now qualified for the knockout stages. Abubakar has four goals through two games. Um, Today, we have a bunch of games. We have Senegal against Guinea. That's on right now. We have Malawi against Zimbabwe later on. We have Morocco against Comoros, Gabon against Ghana. And that, I think, is it for today. Yes, that is it for today. So, some good games today. I would check out that Senegal-Guinea game. It'll be over by the time you hear this, but go and find go and find a recording of that game. I think it'll be decent. Uh, Gabon against Ghana should be quite good tonight. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, the football has been strange. The officiating has been insane. The rules are mental. Their approach to COVID is hilarious. But do check out a bit of AFCON. Why not? Why not indeed? Uh, right, so uh, a bit of news today. Let's have a look and see what we've got. Burnley versus Leicester has been called off because of COVID and injuries. And also because Burnley are having a tantrum because Chris Wood left and gave them little time to prepare. So uh, Ralph hassenhutel has come out and he has gone to town. They've opened the door and you cannot be surprised that someone is walking through now. I cannot say anything about the COVID situation there because this is normally the reason why you cancel games. You have no view, no transparency, and you cannot say anything about that. The rest is speculation. They lost a striker. I don't know. Everything else is speculation. The Premier League has to handle this. This is why I say that players or new signings shouldn't be allowed to play in cancelled games when they haven't been there before this game was due to play. This is a problem they have, and it's hard to solve at the moment. Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel said he hoped clubs were not taking advantage of the rules regarding postponements. It's pretty obvious that a couple of teams have. Leeds definitely have, Leicester definitely have, and I think Burnley are now. And yet the one guy that was transparent about the situation at his club is Jurgen Klopp, who dumbass Arsenal fans are tweeting out absolute nonsense and embarrassing themselves. And Arsenal fans, you've embarrassed yourself now for the last week let's be clear here, you've embarrassed yourself for a week now over this COVID situation. So, it started off with Liverpool needing to cancel uh, last week's game and you cried about that. Liverpool at 14 confirmed positive tests among the squad on top of the three that were already there, which was um, Firmino, Allison, and Fabinho, I think it was. No, Firmino, Allison, and somebody else. Virgil had already had it, Thiago had already had it. Regardless, that was on top of those. Not including all the academy players that tested positive or the fact that half the coaching staff had tested positive, including Klopp himself. That game got postponed. Klopp then was very open about it and said it turned out there were false positives. Arsenal fans started crying about that as well. So The likelihood of one false positive is this, which means the likelihood of 10 false positives is 1 in 8. Nonsense, you're idiots. Just Google false positive COVID batches and you will see plenty of examples, including at Manchester United, Tottenham, Bath Rugby, and a whole bunch of them in the NBA. The Lakers had one this year. They're everywhere. A batch of false positives is not unusual. It's the batch of tests are faulty. Liverpool had those tests verified by an independent lab who confirmed the positive tests. The secondary tests came back negative. Arsenal fans embarrassing themselves. And they embarrassed themselves again last night when Liverpool's team was announced. Look at that team! Yeah, look at the team. Look at it. James Milner, finished. Henderson, finished. Firmino, pretty close to finish. Minamino, not really a Premier League caliber player. Whereas your team, your team was pretty strong. Both sides were missing eight players through COVID, injuries and AFCON. It's worth pointing out that of the eight players Arsenal were missing, one is Kolasinac, who never plays, and the other is Aubameyang, who your manager suspended and wasn't going to play anyway. You're missing three starters. Tommy Yasu, Tomas Partey, and Odegaard. Liverpool were missing three starters. Thiago, Salah, Mane. You can make a real argument that Harvey Elliott will be a starter for Liverpool as well. Arsenal fans will say, oh, well, Emile Smith-Rowe. Emile Smith-Rowe doesn't start, and if he does start, either Odegaard or Martinelli doesn't start. So, you can't have it all. All four of them don't play in your team. They should your manager's too much of a coward. So, stop embarrassing yourselves. Stop embarrassing yourselves. Celebrating a nil-nil in which your team did not play well. You just parked the bus. I saw somebody say that Ben White turned in the best performance he's ever seen by an Arsenal centre-back. Excuse me? The best centre-back performance by an, from an Arsenal player. You're a club that had Martin Keown, Tony Adams, Steve Bold, and Saul Campbell for years years. You're the club, but this might explain it, that tried to tell us all that Koscielny was great. So that might explain that. Ben White was absolutely shocking in the first half. All over the place. Callum Chambers held his hand. That's what happened. Ben White was not particularly good last night. Arsenal weren't particularly good last night. Liverpool were just dreadful. And that's what it came down to. Arsenal got a draw because Liverpool were awful, not because Arsenal did well. Um. I've gone off topic, as I tend to do. Bad news coming from Bayern Munich. Uh, Alfonso Davies has been diagnosed with mild myocarditis, which is heart muscle inflammation. Uh, he had COVID in December, and uh, this looks to be an after effect of his COVID. So he's out of training for a while, won't be available for a few weeks. But hopefully, hopefully he makes a full recovery, because what a player. What a sensational player! Uh, Manchester United. Uh, I'm sorry, Manchester City are the benchmark, says Chelsea boss Thomas Tuchel. Those two teams set to play tomorrow. We will have Young Drinkle with us after the break to have a chat about the nine games that are left on the slate this weekend. Uh, Thomas Tuchel has said, maybe it's luck, maybe they do it better, but they have less injuries from key players. They have less players out and less weeks when they miss them. All and they do not suffer from COVID as we did. Over many weeks. It's a huge difference. It's a little bit questionable as well. Uh, shout out to City. Um, their accounts are a triumph. In money washing. And laundering. And cheating. If anyone has seen the latest published accounts. From City And actually thinks they're real. I have bridges I can sell you. Multiple bridges I can sell you. In your own name. No problem. You want a bridge in Killarney. I can sell you that. Beautiful rural setting in Mayo. I can sell you that. And they'll be just as real. They'll be just as much yours as City's accounts are real. Does anyone really think City's commercial revenue is the same as Manchester United's or Liverpool's? Really? (laughs) Really? Does anyone really think that we're buying, that City made up, having no fans at all in their stadium? with tv revenue like you do understand everybody else gets the tv revenue as well you had no fans at all you never sell out regardless you had no fans at all for most of last season and you're claiming your finances went up yeah uh what's this Man City versus Chelsea quiz. Which players have figured for both clubs? Right, let's have a look. Uh, a Ford who started his senior career at City before moving to Chelsea, but perhaps well known, more well known for his time on Merseyside in the SAS. That would be Daniel Sturridge. A Chelsea icon who spent one season in Manchester before heading stateside. That would be Frank Lampard. A uh, City left back in the early Premier League era who then moved to the bridge was feeling good for the Republic of Ireland at USA in 94, except for when he made a mistake in the last 16. That would be Terry Phelan. An ex England left back who found himself surplus to requ- requirements at Chelsea as Ashley Cole took his place, and then at City when Gail Clichy overtook him. That would be Wayne Bridge. And I don't think Ashley Cole taking his place at Chelsea. Was the biggest thing that went wrong from there. Uh, a French Ford who has played for clubs as far ranging as Paris Saint Germain and Mumbai City, with 287 appearances for City and Chelsea in between. It's got to be Nicholas Anelka. Has a famous football dad and is now a famous football dad himself after his son DiMaggio. Is that how you say his name? DiMaggio? Uh, his recent debut for Stoke. That will be Sean Wright Phillips. A Ford who enjoyed. Brief spells in London and Manchester, but is currently serving as the actual president of Liberia. That would be one, George Weah. Premier League playmaker who never quite got going at Stamford Bridge, but has helped the other Blues to three Premier League titles. Kevin De Bruyne. A championship winger who made as many appearances for Chelsea as years he spent there and was relegated to the bench after two Premier League games at City. That would be Scott Sinclair. Israeli defender who fell out with Avram Grant and jumped ship to Manchester. Israeli defender. Oh, um, the guy's Torres skinned on his debut. Uh, Tal Ben Haim, uh, Portsmouth legend. Uh, a city defender who spent more time with the Cherries than the Blues of Stamford Bridge. Cherries. Oh, Nathan Aki. Um has saved Champions League penalties from Neymar and Radamel Falco, despite largely playing second fiddle at both sets of blues. Um,
0: Caballero.
1: Yes, good shout, Willy Caballero. Yes, indeed, Willy Caballero. Uh, really disappointing that David Rocastle is not on here. Uh David Rocastle was an incredible footballer, played for both teams, having obviously spent most of his career at Arsenal, also played for Leeds. But David Roecastle should be there. Um, Maybe they just didn't want to do 13, but yeah, David Roecastle should be be one of those. Right, we're going to do the gossip, and then we will go to break and come back with Young Drinkle. Uh, Manchester United have offered Donny van de Beek to Newcastle and, and Borussia Dortmund. I doubt it. Uh, Manchester United are in a good position to sign Fabian Ruiz. Fabian Ruiz would be a great signing for them, a genuinely great signing for them. If they could find the right partner for him, that could be the start of something brilliant. Um, West Ham's 25 year old English forward, Jared Bowen, is keen on a move to Liverpool, who remain interested in a summer move. That's from, thankfully enough, that's from Football Insider. So that's definitely trash. Um, we can put that one in the bin Manchester United continue to be encountered with PSG boss Maurizio Pochettino outstanding Newcastle are increasingly interested in signing Norwich City's 23 year old English midfielder Todd Cantwell so this is from Rudy Galletti who's an Italian journalist I'm not sure how he would have insight into a move between Newcastle and Norwich Newcastle have made another bid for Diego Carlos we went over that yesterday Newcastle have been told they must pay more than $37 to sign Serbian defender Nikola Milinkovic from Fiorentina. So, this seems unlikely. Uh, He's got 18 months left in his contract. It seems very unlikely for that to be true. Very, very unlikely for that to be true. Lille have told Newcastle that Sven Botman is not for sale, but the clubs remain in contact. Tottenham are looking to sell Tangay Ndombele to an Italian club with uh, Juventus most likely. They don't have any money, so it's not likely at all, really. Uh, Southampton hope to make Armando Broya's loan deal permanent. There's, there's going to be strong competition for that signing. Borussia Dortmund are interested in signing Andreas Christensen. I'd imagine a lot of clubs are interested in signing Andreas Christensen. Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp expects Divock Origi to stay beyond the January transfer window. Mind-numbing. Mind-numbing. There's growing optimism at Liverpool that they can land Jude Bellingham. No. No, no. Caught offside. Trash. Uh, Arsenal may be frustrated in their pursuit of Arthur Mello because Juventus do not want to let him leave on loan. They want to sell him. Arsenal have a seven-man list. Of midfield targets, which includes Yuri Thielemans, Ginny Wijnaldum and Bruno Gamerish. Bruno Gomerish, I think would be the best of the three of those three for Arsenal, what they need. Yuri Telemans I think is the best player, but of the fit, I think Bruno Gamerish would be the best fit. Um, Brendan Rogers has suggested he is planning for the future without Thielemans, whose deal runs out. I wouldn't be planning for the future at all if I was Brendan Rogers and my team were sitting tenth after that kind of uh, spending. Leicester hope to make Adamola Luckman's loan move permanent. Yeah, you can see that. He's he's done quite well. Chelsea are ready to make an improved offer to Antonio Rudiger. Don't offer too much, though. Don't improve it too much. Diogo Dalot is on Atletico Madrid's list to replace Kieran Trippier. Seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. Aston Villa have expressed interest in... Paris Saint-Germain's 28-year-old Spanish keeper, Sergio Rico. He's awful. Aston Villa are trying to finalise a move for 17-year-old Scottish defender, Kerr Smith from Dundee. He's a huge talent. Scotland are really starting to pump out quality young defenders. Watford, Southampton and Norwich are are monitoring 19-year-old Lewis winger, Ollie Tanner. I used to go watch Lewis play when I lived in the area. Um, Lewis is, if, you, if you live near Lewis or you haven't been to Lewis, make a visit it's a lovely town uh, Burnley are competing with Nottingham Forest and Coventry for Birmingham's 27 year old defender Christian Pedersen Manchester City are interested in Flamengo's 17 year old Brazilian midfielder Matthias Franca interesting interesting uh, I note that the BBC have now launched a 10-minute transfer transfer gossip daily podcast, uh, which basically is just ripping me off. So, you know, it is what it is. I've been doing this for a year and a half, and they started... Um, when did they start? They started in August. And for a, a daily podcast, they did the first week of August... then they did the last week of august they did one two in september no so they did the last two weeks of august excuse me so it's not really a daily podcast it's a you know a couple of weeks during the transfer window type of jobby just to rip me off um shame on you shame on you mine's better <laughs> Right, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, we will have young Drinkle with us and we will run through the nine Premier League games that are left on the slate for this weekend. See you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So, I am joined by Young Drinkle. How are you, sir?
0: I am good, and just a word of warning to the listeners. I'm getting housework done, so if you hear bricks or drills or something, Dave's going to tell me if it's too bad, but he might hear smidge in the background.
1: We'll move. We'll move. We'll be fine. Uh, Right, we've got nine games this weekend, Guy, and they start tonight. I I love Friday night football, and I love a good rivalry game. And we've got a rivalry
0: game tonight. We do. I don't know what to call this one. I, uh, people put well, the M23... I don't, they don't like calling it the M23 derby, is it? But that's all I've got. The The bird derby. That's what I'll go with to annoy people. Um, this game, to me, Dave, seems like it'll be decided by who deals with absentees at AFCON better, really. I mean, Bissoum is obviously the huge miss. Uh, and then it's Kiyate, Zaha and Jordan Ayu for for Palace, mm. isn't it? So, I mean, who who do you think will deal with it better in this game?
1: So, Brighton at least have some depth in midfield, and they don't have massive issues. And they they are missing Enoch Mwepu as well with an injury, so that's a big blow. Like it, with, with Basuma out, they would have been relying on him. Lewis Dunk is still out, so that's also a big blow. So that's three potential starters out of their team, or three likely starters. And Jeremy Sarmiento. But if you look at Palace, Gaeta's out, um, or at least he's he's not fully fit, he's got a wrist injury, so they could have butland in goal. MacArthur's still not back, and then the three boys you mentioned at the AFCON all away as well. So you're looking at potentially definitely four starters, potentially five starters with Gaeta all missing. So Palace, it's bare bones for them, unfortunately. I feel like going into this game, Brighton have turned a corner a little bit, having not won any games for over three months. They've now won two of their last three in the league. And they are got to draw against Chelsea. So they're in a decent run of form, whereas Palace have been a little bit uneven of late. So with Brighton being at home, I think I'm going to lean towards Brighton Mm. I think I'm going to lean towards Brighton. I think they can overcome the in- the issues in midfield. They've brought back Moises Casedo from the loan spell he was on. Be interested to see if they start using him a little bit. Because he's a hugely talented player. They beat out Man United for his signing. And a number of other clubs were in for him as well. Massively talented. I think he's Ecuadorian. Um, and he goes into that mix with like Motor and Basuma and Wepu. Of really talented young midfielders they've got there at that club.
0: Is like Polish kid there now, or is he like a summer signing?
1: Kasper Kozlowski? Yeah,
0: the one they he, just signed. Or is he too Yeah, young he's for been this? loaned
1: out until the summer. Right, okay. Yeah. So he's been he's been loaned out till the summer. Um I think he's gone to Belgium on loan. So uh, I think Brighton have slightly better depth than Palace. Remember, Palace turned over a lot of their squad in the summer. Mm-hmm. and Their numbers went down. So they're they're, they're in year one of this kind of rebuild. Whereas Brighton are in year three under Graham Potter. A bit further on, a bit bigger of a squad. And I think because they've been dealing without Dunk for a while, they've sort of figured out how to work that defense without him. Basuma obviously missed a number of games this season as well after he had some legal issues. So I think they'll be okay. Now, there's been some interesting games between these two in the last couple of years. I remember last season, Brighton battered them down mm. at the Amex, and then Palace won the game with a couple of late goals. This season at Selhurst Park, Palace were the dominant team, and then Neil Mope scored in the 95th minute to equalise and steal a point for Brighton. So these games do tend to go right to the last minute. I'm going to say Brighton win this game 2-1. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm really looking forward to watching it. But I'll go 2-1 Brighton.
0: Yeah, I like the I like these types of derbies, especially when it's an unusual one like uh, Brighton against Palace. But uh, moving on to the Saturday games, and, uh, I mean we'll start with Man City-Chelsea, which, well, depends if you think the title race is over. But I'll start off with a question today you asked me last night on a tad predictable. I mean, keeping your Liverpool hat on. Who, who would you rather win? I mean are you bothered about finishing second above Chelsea or do you want to at least try and have a title race this season?
1: Look, it, it doesn't matter if you finish second, third or fourth, mm-hmm. it's all the same. You, you fail to win the title. so it doesn't if you don't win the title, you're, you're nowhere as far as I'm concerned. So I would rather Chelsea won the title or won won this game because at least it would keep the title race somewhat open. If if City win this, I mean it's over for Chelsea for sure. It's basically over for Liverpool anyway. But at least if Chelsea could win this, maybe it knocks a bit of the confidence out of Man City. City have won like eleven or twelve in a row in the league, and they'll come into this game full of confidence. They beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge earlier in the season. What's funny about that is after that game, Chelsea ran off four wins in a row, and since that fourth win. They've only won four games from their last 11. Mm -hmm. So Chelsea are in really strange form at the minute. Now, Reese James is out. Chalup is out. Mendy's at AFCON. Um, Christensen has COVID. I don't think he's expected back. And obviously Chilwell is out for the season. City have some problems of their own. Sterling has COVID, but they hope to have him back. John Stones they hope to have back. Foden is back. Zinchenko is back. Mendy is suspended. Maris is at AFCON and Liam Delap has an ankle injury, but he wouldn't be playing anyway. So, injuries on both sides. Chelsea a little bit more affected. City in, in great form. Chelsea in uneven form. Only one win in the last five in the Premier League. I, I'm going to have to go home win here. I think the way City are playing, they do look very, very formidable. It reminds me of last season once they got rolling. It was very, very hard for anyone to touch them. Chelsea will go and probably try and park the bus and make it really, really difficult. And maybe they can catch City on the break. Maybe they go with Lukaku, Mount, plus a pacey one up front like a Pulisic mm-hmm. and try and catch them, or or a Werner try and catch them on the break. But I'm going to say City win this one. I think they'll open Chelsea up. I'll go 3-1.
0: Yeah, I said to today as well, If if Chelsea... Keep experimenting with a back four. City will tear it apart, I think, especially.
1: But, uh, yeah, I, with, I with those good. centre-backs that they have, they can't play a back four. Rudiger's not good in a four. Silva can't play in a four anymore. Aspie's not a centre-back in a four. Christensen is the only one they have who's good in a four, and he's out. So I think if they played a four, it would be absolute madness.
0: Yeah, i well, I kind of hope they don't, but uh, we'll move on from that because I, I kind of agree. I think Man City, the role they're on, and Chelsea, as you say, even if you're just looking at the last five, uh, last five in the league, it's four draws. It, it It's not not been pretty for Chelsea in the league recently. But we'll move on to probably the eh, probably most important game of the weekend, Newcastle against Watford. I know there's the North London derby, but I ain't. Newcastle, obviously, new signing in Chris Wood. Watford, 200 new signings that nobody's ever heard of. Um, Yeah, it seems like a very important game at the bottom of the table considering Burnley's game is off as as well.
1: Yeah, this is a massive game. It really is a massive game. If Newcastle win, they're out of the bottom four. Out of the bottom three, rather. So that would be huge. Now, admittedly, Watford have a game in hand on them and Burnley will have three games in hand on them. But still. This is a huge, huge game for both teams. Burnley getting the game called off, I think, favours these two teams. Because if one of them win, it puts loads of extra pressure on Burnley. Um, Newcastle come in with Isaac Hayden out for a number of months. Callum Wilson out for a couple of months. Fernandez out. Lewis out. Mankio suspended. Chris Wood, not expected to play, not expected to start because he just joined and he's got a bit of an injury that he's carrying with him. Uh, They're hopeful Dubravka will pass a fitness test. And then they've got uh, Carol Darlow and Kieran Clark back from COVID. So, a lot of issues there. And, you know, they haven't addressed their defence properly yet. They brought in Trippier, but he's not going to fix the defensive side of things. He's an attack-minded player. Watford, though, are even more hit by injuries in AFCON. They've got three lads away at AFCON. loser Messina and Trusta Kong. Two of them are, are, are a blow. Uh, Quadro Ba, he's out with the ankle injury that he's had all season. Cabace they're hoping to have back. Ben Foster, they hope to have back. of for, for they hope to have back. Now, having three lads coming back from an injury in your defensive area isn't really ideal. Emmanuel Dennis, he should be fine. Ishmael Assar is out. Good to see that that nonsense with him and Senegal got resolved. He went to play, went over and joined the Senegal squad. They assessed his knee, and they made the decision that he's not, he's not nearly ready to come back. Uh, Etibo's been out for ages, and Inkulu. I mean, there. I don't. I, they might as well just cancel that. He's not going to be back till April or something. So it's a bit of a mess with him. Um, this is a this is going to be a horrible game I think this could genuinely be one of the most turgid games of football we ever see I'll go for a home win because I can't think of any advantage either team has over each other St. Maximum and Dennis are the two best players Dennis at least produces St. Maximum is more vibes than production but I- I'm going to go and say a Newcastle 1-0 grind kind of game where it's it's really, really ugly and something bounces in off somebody's backside or something. So I'll go for a Newcastle home win purely on the base that Newcastle were at home and if Watford were at home I'd pick them. I think these teams are both awful. I'll go Newcastle
0: 1-0.
1: Well, you say
0: that might be the worst game but how about this? Norwich against Everton.
1: Yes. <laughs> There's competition for the worst game this weekend. <laughs> Um, The next one's not much better either. (laughs) So Norwich Norwich have no Billy Gilmore, no Zimmerman, no Norman. Norman has been such a big blow for them. Uh, Lucas Rupp is out. Omobama Dele is out. But Josh Sargent and Todd Cantwell are at least back in training, so they could help. Uh, Everton, Calvert-Lewin is a doubt. Branthwaite is a doubt. Mina, they hope to have back. Richarlison, they're hoping to have back, which could be a huge boost. Um, Fabian Delph is a doubt. Iwobi is out; he's at Afcon, and Tom Davies is injured. They, this is a this is another stinker. This is is another stinker. Now you commit. You look at the form. Well, Everton... I'll ask. I'll ask you
0: this, Dave, because I, I said it to today again last night. Mm. If if Everton don't win, never mind lose. Surely Rafa's got to get sacked.
1: He's definitely going to feel more and more pressure the longer this dreadful run of form goes on. I mean, I've been quite kind to Rafa in terms of giving him some leeway because of the, the injury issues. But the bottom line is they've won one game in the Premier League since the 25th of September. They beat Norwich at home on the 25th of September. And since then, their only win is a 2-1 home win against Arsenal. They lost to West Ham, got beaten by Watford, beaten by Wolves, beaten by City, beaten by Brentford, hammered by Liverpool, beaten by Palace, beaten by Brighton. Now, they've had three games called off. They've drawn against Manchester United, Tottenham and Chelsea, which are all good results. And the fact that they drew the, the three of those and beat Arsenal shows that against the better teams, Maybe they do turn up a bit more, although they got beaten by West Ham and and Wallop by Liverpool and beaten by City. So, you know, maybe just teams that don't have particularly good attacks. Um, I don't know. Norwich are painful this season as well. And I think we all agree they're as good as gone. Norwich won their last game under Daniel Farke, won their first game under Dean Smith, and haven't won since. Draws against Wolves and Newcastle, followed by defeats to Tottenham, Manchester United, Aston Villa, Arsenal, Palace, and West Ham. Their games against Leicester, the game against Leicester was called off. Um. This is going to be an ugly game. I'm just going to say it's a draw. I'll go one-one. I think it'll be turgid. Um, if if Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison both start, I think Norwich mm-hmm. probably win. But if if they Everton. don't, or Everton probably win rather. Yeah. Um, if only one of them starts, I'll I'll say a draw. I'll say one-one. I think it'll be awful.
0: A stupid question here. El Ghazi any
1: different for Everton? He's an interesting addition. I mean, he's a very inconsistent player, but he is capable of big moments and and scoring goals. And, you know, he can be a bit of a pain in the backside to play against. Uh, I certainly think that, you know, you put him on one wing and Damari Gray on the other. At least it makes you pacey in the wide areas. You've got goals there potentially. Um, The one thing I will say with El Ghazi is you're better off playing him on the right than on the left, because on the left-hand side, all he will do is cut in (laughs) and shoot from range. He's basically Andros Townsend. I mean, that's what he is. He's a right-footed Andros Townsend. If you play him... Oh, my God, they have both of them. Imagine that. Yeah, imagine if that's the wingers. Like, if you're the striker and those are the wingers, you're never getting across into the box. You're relying solely on your full-backs. Now, I am excited to see if Everton play both of their new full-backs, Patterson and Michaelenko. I hope that they do. I think it will be fun to see those. But I think you've got to go with Gray on the on the left, El Ghazi on the right, Richarlison, if he's fit, just off Calvert-Lewin. You've got your two in the midfield. And, and just tell El Ghazi, just go outside your man. Get the ball, go outside your man, and just whip crosses in. Because he is a good crosser, but he falls in love with playing on the left-hand side, and all he wants to do is shoot. Go outside and whip crosses in. That's the only job we have for you. You've got Richarlison, who's really good in the air. Calvert-Loon is great in the air. And then you'll have Damari Gray coming in at the back post to pick up scraps. I think that's Everton's best course of attack. Um, I'm talking myself into an Everton win here. I'm going to say 2-1 Everton. I'll
0: go 2-1 Everton. Yeah, Everton kind of have to win, really. Um, I mean, you almost went for a draw there. I mean, Wolves v Southampton. screams another draw.
1: Screams of a draw. Absolutely reeks of a draw. So, to their credit, Wolves have won two of their last three. um, But they've only scored 14 goals in the Premier League this season, which other than Norwich, is the worst attack in the league. Uh, Burnley have overtaken them, and Burnley have played two games less. Now, with 14 goals conceded, they've got the second-best defensive record in the league. I don't know that we've ever had a team that's the second-best defensive team and the second-worst attacking team through halfway of the season. Um, But it's very impressive. So, Southampton have some problems this weekend. McCarthy's out. That's not an issue because Forrester has been playing quite well. Uh, Walker-Peters they hope to have back. Valerie is back and Broya should be fine after a little bit of a facial injury suffered against Brentford. Smallbone is out. Gianetto's at AFCON. Walcott and Elianazi are out and Livermento has an injury that they're just kind of being as careful as they can with. You look at Wolves. Neto, they're hoping to have him back next month. Mascara they hope to have back next month. Johnny Otto they hope to have back next month. And Wang they hope to have back next month. Romain Sice is away at AFCON. Wolves, without their full complement, are a little bit weakened. But at home, I don't think Southampton will take advantage of it. So I'm going to say this is nil-nil. I'm going to go nil-nil. Wolves carrying on having, you know, the great defence, the awful attack, and, um, yeah, I'll just say nil-nil.
0: Yeah, sounds about right. Um, Villa against United. I mean, we saw the reverse fixture in the FA Cup on Monday, and Villa were clearly the better team, and now they've, I'm not sure if is ready to play yet, but Coutinho, I think he's been training all week, or probably since Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, if you just if Villa just play like they did Monday, and can like finish and VAR doesn't try to screw them again, mm. I, surely Villa win this, don't
1: they? They need to create more. They they need to create more open play chances. They didn't create much in open play. They relied a lot on set pieces, and that mightn't be as much of a factor with Slabhead back this weekend. Um because obviously he's just dominant in the air. Now, McTominay's out, so that's a that's a blow for United, because of their midfielders, he has been playing pretty well of late. Luke is suspended. They bring in Alex Tellez. That's not really much of a drop-off. Uh, Maguire's a doubt, but they're hopefully he'll be fit. Cristiano is a doubt. They should probably hope he doesn't play. Phil Jones, unsurprisingly, is a doubt. Jadon Sancho is a doubt. Eric Bailly is at AFCON. Anthony Martial is injured. Diogo de Lot is a doubt, which, you know, will mean Juan Basaka back, and Pogba is out. Uh, a lot of players missing for United or, or doubt over them, whereas with Villa, Marvellous Nakamba's out, John McGinnis suspended, that's a blow. That is a blow. Um, but they've got decent options in midfield. Ashley Young is a doubt, Leon Bailey is out, Trezeguet and Bertrand Traore are away at AFCON. I expect... Dinia and Coutinho to feature. I don't know if they'll start. He might stick with Matt Target. Because Dinia won't have had much time to train with the team. So he might just stick with Target for this one. Coutinho though I think will start. I could see Coutinho starting. As one of the two behind Ollie Watkins. I think maybe Danny Ings sits out of this one. And he goes with Watkins. Flanked by Buendia and Coutinho. And then in midfield. Maybe he goes with Ramsey and Sanson, Morgan Sanson, maybe, either mm. side of uh, Douglas Luiz. Now, he could start Kearney Chukwameka either, but I don't think he'll start two youngsters in midfield. So I'll say Samson, then the normal defence. Look, Villa are a mid-table team, and United should be a top-four challenging team. United do have better players. But Villa are playing better than United, even though they're not getting the results. Um, you look at their league form now; it's three defeats in 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 five, three defeats in four under Gerrard, plus the loss in the FA Cup. Eleven defeats this season is not ideal. Only two teams, only three teams in the league have lost more than them. That's Watford, Newcastle. Actually, sorry, no. Only Watford and Norwich have lost more games than Aston Villa this season. Villa don't draw. Only one draw this season. Them and Watford, freaks, with one draw each. Um, So Villa will either win or lose this game. And I think they will be the deciding factor in whether they win or lose this game. Because when they lose games, it tends to be of their own doing. Unless it's against one of the top teams. A lot of these defeats are down to just defensive errors or missing bad chances or whatever it may be. I'm going to say Villa win the game because they're at home with the full stadium behind them under the lights on a, on a Saturday evening. I think Gerrard will want revenge. I think he'll he'll have seen enough from that game on Monday to know what tweaks he needs to make. The potential of that Coutinho debut, you know he loves playing against United. He'll want to make an impression first game back in England. He'll want to show he's not a busted flush. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Villa win on Saturday
0: evening. Yeah, I went with three ones, so I've kind of outdone you there. Um, but we'll move on to the Sunday games, and we have to talk about Liverpool now. Um, the war is me, we're in third, but going off the Arsenal game, Dave, the attack isn't going to work.
1: No, no, the attack is not going to work. Um, Liverpool are going to have to do something different in this game. They're going to have to do something different in midfield as well. No Elliot, no Alcantara, no Origi, no Phillips. He wouldn't be playing anyway. No Salah, no Manning, no Kiet, no Naviketa. So a lot of issues there. Brentford themselves, no Josh Da Silva, no Zanke. They're hopeful they'll have um, Rico Henry back. Onyek is at AFCON. Rhea, Good and Janvir are all out. Only Rhea will be missed. But So you look at it, they're missing... Onyeka would be a starter and Rea would be a starter. If Henry plays, then obviously that fills that. If he doesn't, he's a starter missing as well. Liverpool missing three starters. You can make a real case that Harvey Elliott and or Naby Keita would be starting um, on the, the right side of the midfield if everybody was fit and available, other than the fact that you know Jordan Henderson has Jurgen Klopp's nudes and is threatening the polish to polish them if he doesn't play every game. Klopp needs to make a decision in that midfield and the decision has to be that Jordan Henderson sits out. This is the kind of game where you can go with Oxlade-Chamberlain, Fabinho and and Curtis-Jones, in my view. Because Brentford are not playing well. They're a little bit shook and you need that extra creativity and drive from midfield. Plus, let's be fair, Ox has been a lot better than Henderson this year. And Jones is just a much better footballer than James Milner in 2022. Um, So do that, and I I wonder if maybe Kate Gordon should get a run here. I wonder if that's the the move, just to bring Kate Gordon in and give him an opportunity and see what he can do. Give him give him 45 minutes. If he does well, give him till 60. If he doesn't, you you take him off. You congratulate him on his debut in the Premier League, and you move on. You you bring in Taki Minamino, and you just you know give Gordon more minutes as as they come. Liverpool have to do something here. They have to win this game. This is the most win game for them. Otherwise, they're just going to be f- falling further and further from City. And risking the teams behind them starting to catch up as well. So, I'm going to go, even though they've only won one of their last four in the league, I'm going to go for a Liverpool win. I'll say 3-1 to the Reds. Because I think with Brentford's issues defensively, they will be a bit open. And they looked awful against Southampton. So I'm going to go with
0: a Liverpool win 3-1. Yeah, hopefully the attack clicks. Um, moving on then, Super Sunday uh, TV games, West Ham v Leeds. Uh, Leeds have some players. Uh, that's all I've got.
1: How is this a TV game? Like, how is this a TV game? So you look at Leeds, Struijk is a doubt, Bamford is a doubt, Fairpool is a doubt. Rodrigo's it out. Now they may all make it, but that's a lot of players that you, to potentially be without already. Loriente is suspended, Cresswell is out, Shackleton is out, Gelhardt is out, Roberts is out, Phillips is out, and Cooper is out. So Leeds are patching together their team again. West Ham, uh Zuma is out, but he's on the road back. Ben is at AFCON. Suchek is a major doubt, and that's a big blow for them. But Alex Kral might get a start, maybe. Mark Noble is out, Ryan Fredericks is out, and obviously Al Bonnet is out. He's out for the season. West Ham will win this game. At home, with far less injuries, and a better squad to begin with, and a better team to begin with, I just don't see how West Ham don't win this game. I'm going to say it's a fairly comfortable 3-0 win for West Ham.
0: And finally, the North London
1: derby. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this one. This is a massive game for both teams. Earlier in the season, they met and Arsenal were really good for 40 minutes and then kind of fell apart in the second half. And Spurs, despite playing terribly, could easily have snatched a draw. Now, that was sort of the beginning of the end for Nuno. Nuno has since obviously been replaced by Conte. Spurs are unbeaten in the league under Conte. They have closed the gap on Arsenal in the table. Uh, they're only two points behind now. So if they win this game, they go ahead of Arsenal. They've also got two games in hand on Arsenal. They've still got Harry Kane to find form. Young min hasn't found his best form yet this season either. So those are two big X factors for Tottenham. Those two players and the fact they've got Conte is why I think they will get top four. But this is a big game for both teams. and Arsenal win really hurts Spurs. Now, it'll put five points between them. Spurs will still have the two games in hand, so could potentially still overtake them. But it's putting pressure on yourself that's unnecessary. I think Spurs would probably take even a draw here. I I know Arsenal would take a draw given their injury situation. You look at Arsenal, Xhaka is suspended. He's going to get a two-game suspension. Now, hilariously, he was sent off for denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity rather than the dangerous play. He should have been getting a four-game ban instead of only a two-game ban. So he'll miss this one in the second leg against Liverpool. Tommy Asu is a major doubt. Smith-Rowe is a major doubt. Aubameyang, Partey, Elneny and Pepe are all at AFCON. Odegaard has COVID. He's out. Kalasnik is out. Cedric Soares went off yesterday with an injury, so he's out. Callum Chambers picked up a knock. He's a doubt. And we'll wait and see him Bikayo Saka. Uh, he obviously had to go off last night. He just looked exhausted. I don't know if there's an injury there, but he looked exhausted. Now for Spurs, no youngman's son, he is he's injured. Christian Romero not quite back as yet. Next weekend, probably for him. Eric Dyer is out. Regulon, they hope to have back, and Bergvine is back. Whether or not he plays, I don't know. I'm actually gonna say. A draw in this one. All week I've been looking at this and thinking Spurs win but with no sun and the potential of Spurs having a bit of a ropey defence without Romero and and I know he's not good but Dyer as well and possibly Reguilon missing I'm losing confidence in Spurs for this one. Arsenal are missing so many players though. So much depends on Saka, Tomiyasu and Smithrow if two of them play I'd I'd say draw. If none of them play, I think Spurs win. I'm going to gamble that two of them play. I'm going to say a 1-1 draw. I think it's going to be a a good game of football, though. And I think it's more of a defining game for Arsenal than it is for Tottenham. Because Tottenham have those games in hand. Because we expect Tottenham to add some players in this window. Whereas I don't know if Arsenal are going to. They're certainly trying to. But it looks like Juve won't loan Arthur Mello. And it looks like they're going to fall short on getting Vlahovic. So they'll probably hold hold their, their powder dry on that one until the summer. Um, on buying a striker. So if Spurs can add a couple of players in this window. I think it will make a big difference for them. I'll say, I'll say a 1-1 draw. But I still think Spurs end up going on to finish fourth ahead of Arsenal.
0: And that was the last game.
1: That's it then. That is us for the week. Thank you as always for listening. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy the football starting tonight with Brighton versus Palace. Should be a good one. Running all the way through to that North London derby on Sunday with Tottenham versus Arsenal. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Enjoy that. Watch some AFCON. Stay safe. Get your boosters. Don't be an asshole. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.